everybody, it's the Week in the Tackle podcast. I'm Tom Rennie. Yes, that Tom Rennie. Alongside me is an MLS legend, a top broadcaster, a man whose youthful zest makes me feel like he has been with Sir Francis Drake when he found the Fountain of Youth because there's no way a man's skin in his mid to late 40s should look as clear and fresh as that. It is Mr. Brian Dunseth. How are you, mate? You all right? I'm good. I'm good. Had a bit of a travel issue this weekend. Uh, sorted it out. Uh, delays, NCAA tournaments. You got weather and uh, yeah, just outrageousness. But everything's good, man. Everything's good. How are you doing? How are you How are you holding up this fine, oh. what day are we? Tuesday? Tuesday. Hey, West Ham won. Yes, they did. I mean, this is not going to be a West Ham theme podcast because we're not particularly interesting this week. But I will say it was such an ordeal. It was mm. such an ordeal. And they beat Southampton 1-0. They've got Newcastle on Wednesday. And you know what it is? It's like, you know, Tantalus, you know, the myth of Tantalus that he keeps pushing the boulder up the hill. And just when he thinks he gets there, it goes back down again. He's always tantalizingly close where it comes from. And I feel like we're currently at a moment in this season. And we're going to get to Everton in a little while in the show where I can see it. I'm touching it. I'm just mm. reaching out and touching it. If they would, and they're not going to do this, by the way. So I'm not saying this is going to happen because it categorically is not. But if West Ham could beat Newcastle on Wednesday, right? Just if, and and bad teams beat good teams, it does happen. Mm. If they beat Newcastle and beat Fulham, they have 33 points by the time we record again. And if we've got 33 points, that's statistically across the last 15 years, just three points from safety with nine to go. And I just want everyone listening to the Week in the Tackle podcast, everyone who's going to listen to our shows this week, even if you hate West Ham, if you love this program and love us talking about <laughs> other things, if we beat, if West Ham beat Newcastle and Fulham, mm. I promise to you right now, I will shut the f*** up about West Ham, except for Conference League, for the rest of this season. I will not mention West Ham in the Premier League again really? until the season is over. If they win huh. these two games, because it's over. It'll be finished. And we can concentrate on winning that dog sh- European tournament we're in. But I just, sorry, Tim, sorry, Tim. I just, I just want, if they, if they, that happens, this is over yeah. and we can move on. Don't you just okay. want that? Well, I, I feel like this is a bigger ask than me asking you to get a tattoo. If you do win, can friends league. Are we still doing that? Is that, I mean, still, was that I mean it was on the it? table at the start of the season. Yes. Oh, how quickly yes. one forgets. That's true. Um, listen, so that's, that's, a, that's a guaranteed promise. From me that I won't talk about West Ham again. Oh yeah, we're live now on video, aren't we? Damn. Um, I cross my fingers there for <laughs> was, the YouTube yeah. subscribers. Um, if you're listening on the podcast, as many people do now, um, mm. and, and you should recommend this to your friends, um, you can also watch the show on YouTube. If you're on YouTube, we're also a podcast. Vice versa, cross promo. Right. Let's get to the big stories this week, Danny, because there are so many, and we've got to find out where you've been and what's been going on in terms of MLS as well. How did uh, Salt Lake get on against Columbus Crew? Eh? Technically, you've got a foot in both camps, but. Uh, well, I hear. Um, but let's get to the big story of the week. And that is Graham Potter. We'll start mm. with Graham Potter because we're going to build up the tension for the Brendan Rodgers impression. Um, sacked at Chelsea after the game against Aston Villa. Sacked after seven months. Sacked after achieving the joint lowest points per game return of any manager to take charge of 20 plus games for Chelsea in Premier League history. A worse PPG than Glenn Hoddle, Ian Porterfield, Rude Hullet. And yes, Frank Lampard. Um, stories coming out in the press following the sacking that people were calling him Harry and Hogwarts behind his back, which I'm less mithered about because it's football. 
everyone has a nickname. Yeah. People used to call me Big Grenny. Sorry, mm. Tim. It's didn't bother me. Not because I have a big because I am a big Oh, um, that's true. There you go. It's more literal. Yeah. Um, and I've got more in terms of data on this, Danny. But yeah. I want your view on it because I'll talk a bit about I was doing the Chelsea Aston Villa game and it was a fascinating watch. And I want to talk about it from that perspective as a commentator and being involved in the game. But I want your view on this because I heard Rodney Marsh earlier this week. In fact, I've been listening to Rodney for seven months on this saying he's out of his depth. I mm. mean, he's just out of his depth. I wanted him to do well because I'm English and English coaches, as you know, suck the mother load. We just have no reputation globally. No English person, for those that don't know this, has ever won the Premier League. Um, Dunny, it's happened. It felt yeah. inevitable. What's yep. your take on it? I just want, <clears throat> I wonder when it's all said and done, what the true number is relating to the firing of Thomas Tuchel uh, and the acquisition of not only Graham Potter, but like 37 other people at Brighton who came to Chelsea Football Club alongside of him because it is inevitable that they will all be wiped with the exception of maybe one or two um, that have quote unquote done a great job. And that maybe aren't loyal to Graham Potter. The, re the reality Tom is that we all wanted him to succeed his story um, and, and, and how he had carved a fantastic little niche for himself, the path less traveled um, and, and, and getting to the point. And remember when the Arsenal job was open, people were talking about Graham Potter as well. And Graham Potter had made it very clear how happy he was at Brighton and what he had done in a short amount of time was really, really impressive. And by the way, I do like that little side slap of Roberto De Cherby, uh coming out and saying, hey, thanks, by the way, for the cl club and the, the squad that you left me. Double thumbs up. Hey, yo. Uh, but yeah, listen, I, I think when you if you can separate the man from the manager, and I know it's difficult to do. Because at the end of the day, I would do what I've always said that we've done with, let's use Jesse Marsh, for example. We, we hold these guys accountable in a situation where we say, at the end of the day, Tom, it's about points. It's about mm. results. It's about wins. It's about yes. losses. It's about draws. It's about lifting trophies. These are all data points. These are all the differences between success and failure. Mm. And unfortunately for Graham Potter, he was given probably one of the longest leashes that could be given in this situation. Because when you step back and you really think about it, Todd, Todd Bowley comes in, wipes Granovskaya, wipes uh, Petr Cech, kind of from the inside out, has full control, starts playing football manager and with his Monopoly money and spends an outrageous amount of money. And, I, you know, you go back to the Tuchel time, you go back to, did he want Cristiano Ronaldo? You go, you go back to whatever, the shits and giggles that come along with the start of the season. At the end of the day, what became unsustainable is you have two managers effectively that didn't have a preseason with the squad of players that they are inheriting in real time. And the summer squad versus then the January transfer window squad and trying to figure out how do I get the best out of this group while, by the way, having to have what I'd call the sweat equity of success in the Premier League and or in other countries, that these players will respect you immediately. It's a huge drop-off in terms of experience when you talk about Timmy Tickles to Graham Potter, Porter, Harry Porter, Harry Potter. 
all whatever, all the nicknames that he was given. Harry Porter. No one called him Harry Porter. Not it, one it, person. It, it's like how I called you Tom Henny the other day because you were super positive, and then Tom Rennie showed back up. Yes, I um, like how you're using your just poor ability to remember and then deliver names and yeah. pretending it's a feature of what you do and not a James Tom Porter, up. Tommy Porter. Yes, Harry Potter. Sorry, sorry, Tim. Sorry, Tim. <laughs> Hashtags. Hashtag. Uh, but listen, the 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 reality is this is even more egg on the face of Todd Bully. They've yeah. gotten through past Borussia Dortmund, so they're in a fantastic situation in the Champions League. Yet they are struggling mightily. But again, is it really that different? I mean, is is this real? Like, I know that Chelsea's been in a great run of form recently in terms of of what they've accomplished in the last couple of years. Yeah. But like they do this. They they do they do this mid-table finish where they're out of Europe completely. They run the table, they win the Champions League, they qualify for Europe the next year because the squad's fantastic and they get the right manager in charge. But the reality for me, Tom, is that is anything really different from the Roman Abramovich days to now? Because all we kept wondering was okay, stability, plan, future, runway, pathway, success, bags of money, best players in the world available, overpaying, get them through the door. Yeah. And yet here we are. They're now going to be on their third manager if they get Nagelsmann through the door. And Fabrizio Romano is reporting that talks have been going for the last two days. And it looks like Nagelsmann is lining him or interested in hearing from Chelsea board what this looks like going forward. I still say don't touch this team until the summer. Yeah. Let have a full preseason. No need to drink from a fire hose at this stage uh, because you don't know your players. But a guy like Nagelsmann will at least have the immediate respect because he's created kind of this atmosphere around him. But by the way, how crazy would it be? Timmy Tickles takes over Bayern. Nagelsmann takes over Chelsea. I don't know, man. Wild, wild going down at Chelsea. Sorry. There's so much in this, Danny. There's, there's so much in what you've said, and there's so much in the story that we're never going to have time to cover it all here. But mm. there's a few elements I do want to discuss. Firstly, the performance against Aston Villa the weekend just gone was an abomination. Mm. It, it just was. It was the culmination of weeks and weeks of dismal performances. And there was part of this. I did want to bring this. I know you like this. Um, we're doing the game. Dave Kitson and I are doing the game for Premier League Live. And sometimes the effects microphones are quite close uh, to people in the crowd. Stanford Bridge, very close. And what happens is usually whoever's doing the sound, they'll just turn down the effects microphone if someone's coming out too audibly. So we have like eight, 12 effects microphones coming out to our listeners. There was a small boy. A small boy was sitting by a microphone. And we kept hearing him so loud in our cans during the game, right? Which is the, the worst, half, yeah. It's the worst. It's so off-putting and there's nothing I can do about it. So we had to reference it because people could hear it uh, and we could hear it so loud and we're trying to get it turned down. Nothing we can do. But he was, it was, it was actually brilliant for the game because Dave kept saying to me, Dave's a very good analyst, and he kept saying to me, why is Reese James playing centre-half? Like, what, what, why is that still happening? And then at half-time, he brought on Medoeke at the right-hand mm -hmm. side who's got no right boot and still played Reese James centre-half. And there was a small boy next to a microphone, and he said, Dad, Dad, it's not putting chains on the wing, Dad. He's not, Dad, I don't understand what's happening. He's not putting chains on the wing. Dad, Daddy, it doesn't make any sense. It's a child, was the impression I was doing there. You can go so high that you actually cut out your own microphone. Oh, did it that kind of a little bit? Yeah, because Sorry. your voice went so high, you cut it Dad, out. I'll do it more gently. Here we go. Dad, Dad, I, 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 why is he not putting Reese James on the wing? <laughs> 
it's like, it's like a dog whistle how high you can get <laughs> it's incredible i i have incredible versatility yeah. that the you are so talented been. i you know what clip that and we'll use that as a trailer but even a small child even a small child could see what was necessary. Mm. Everyone could see what was necessary well, and he would not do it. And it's bits but, like that, Danny, where you just think, what were you thinking? Was he trying to do the Antonio Conte? No. It's I, over. I, no. Sack I, me no. because I'm spent. No, I, I, I don't think it is. I think you have two to three teams at Chelsea. That's the problem. You've got well, two to three. They've only got one Reese James. They, they've got a load no, of players, 100%, 100%. but no one's going to no, Reese James. I, yeah, no, I hear you. I, I hear you. But to my point is, every time I watch Chelsea, I always knew either at halftime or the 60-minute mark, the team and the team shape was going to look drastically different. Every single game. And it didn't matter who started. The, the same issues. You got your number nine, Aubameyang. He's pushed out for whatever reason, never getting a chance. You let Romelu Lukaku go after dropping 100 million on him because you want to allow space for Timmy Tickles to have the start of the season. You play Kai Havertz as a nine. He scores some goals, but he's not really a nine. He's more of an off the shoulder, but whatever, talented enough. But you you look at this bloated squad of fucking fantastic players. We've totally broke the record for curses. Sorry, Tim. Um, as, well, I guess since just moving to uh, to YouTube, but you've blown the squad on attacking players and outside backs and central defenders. And all you do is, okay, he didn't score in the first half. Take him off. Who comes in? Melissa gets a start. If he doesn't score by halftime, okay, take him off. Let's bring in Mudrick. Let's let, let's do this. Let's do that. Like well, That's the manager's fault, isn't it? That's Graham Potter's fault. Well, that's his being... Him being unable to manage a big squad, but, him being able to to work with these players, because we can talk about, look, Todd Bowley, we, we did this piece at the very start of the podcast. He was the biggest pigeon in football during hmm. the last summer transfer window. He is Homer Simpson in the Bart the Carney episode, walking through the carnival, and the two Carnies look at him and are like, right, there's a pigeon. We can get as much money out of him as possible. And that was hmm. every agent in football during the summer. There was no reason to buy Mudrick. There was no reason to buy Madueke. There was no reason to buy et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. And there was no reason to buy them for the fees you did as well. And that's all true. But maybe five weeks ago, we were together. And I told you, I, I said it. What he needed to do is my team. Is how we win a game. Full stop the end. And what did he do instead? Hmm. He tinkered and changed and tried to outsmart everybody and he might have a degree in emotional intelligence graham potter but the man is dumb the man is dumb when it comes to working with a team of this caliber he has well, this he has it but that's what we said now like no other manager ever could if this was like we're being generous to graham potter because i'm english and i want english people not to be thought mm. of as a joke on an international level. But if this was Avram Grant, who I detest, I would have been ripping him to shreds Rodney Marsh style week in, week but, out. He's been awful. Th th this was the biggest challenge. And and I I, I have said, like, while it's entertaining when a manager's sacked afterwards to find out when they pull the curtain back and people start chirping and you're getting more and more interviews that are, are coming out with well-placed sources that are then leaking stories, situations that have happened underneath the met previ the previous manager's reign um, as to what happened in the nicknames. It happened with Bob Bradley. It happened with Jesse Marsh to an extent. It happens with some of these managers where all of a sudden 
the players now know that these they're gone and, and there's less accountability and they can start telling their stories outside of the WhatsApp groups with their buddies and their friends and all co- it's entertaining, but I have a problem with it. But you know, th- this is the same thing we talked about for Graham Potter when he took the job. It's not the tactics. It's not, mm. it's earning the respect of the players and walking into Chelsea is completely different. He he's not he's not at no disrespect to Brighton, right? Brighton's done an extraordinary job of what they've done. He's not shopping at Super Target. He's shopping at Gucci now. It's a, it's a completely different thing, right? So the way that he manages the group, the way that he managed coming through through Sweden, getting getting Brighton doing a phenomenal job, winning winning at Manchester United early in the season with all these players, great. But now you've taken over Chelsea. Yeah. And and I'll just I I'll I'll ask you. I wonder, and, I, and it's a leading question, but I wonder how much these players have experienced so much managerial turnover throughout their tenure at Chelsea Football Club that they're just to the point where again they can for the most part tune out what the managers are saying and just focus on okay, we know what we have to do. We can make the tweaks and we can change the tactics and we can play three in the back. We can play four in the back, play five in the back. We can do this three, two, you know, play a hybrid of two holding and three attacking and one striker, you know, all these different things. But at the end of the day, we know how to play because I just feel but like they don't know, but they but don't, the, they but the mentality is that they outlast the manager. Hmm. I just, I wonder how much that could be a reality in this conversation. I mean, I think everyone in the Premier League and, and and in most leagues at this point, I mean, I think Serie A has fact, uh, sacked 50% of managers. The Bundesliga is like 40% of managers. The league is 25% of managers. Like everyone gets sacked um, at, at some point or other. There's more sackings this season than ever, which I want to get to a little bit later in the programme. Um, but I, I don't know if that's true. I, I don't know how much the, all the players weren't buying into Graham Potter. I think they didn't know what to buy into. Mm. I think there was no definitive style of play. There was no clear thing that he was trying to do I think he was getting an incredible amount of leeway um but I I, I don't know on that score I think we'll find out in the next few weeks if Bruno Brighton legend um stays in charge for two three four games if they win three or four of them we'll get the feeling of the players can do whatever they want and they were doing as as but what changes you know I heard this conversation with you you and Tommy this morning on grumpy pundits what what changes like Stellini at, 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 at Tottenham. What, what changes? What, because one face is gone, one voice is gone? You don't, I mean, like, I get that every assistant can do their own thing. They're in charge now, right? Oh, hey, what about if we change this? Or, hey, what if we change? No, it's my team. That's a stupid idea. No, they're, they're, they're challenging the managers. They're, 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 they're theoretically thinking about substitutions and changes. What about this adjustment? What about this? What about spotting things that, you know, it, it's, all, it's all interest level conversations. But at the end of the day, they're they're all under the same umbrella. Yeah. So when 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 we sack managers, when we watch teams sack managers, really, what's the what's the difference? Like what 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 is Bruno going to bring to the table that is pre- like practical, right? Practical with the tactics right now that is going to be different than what Graham Potter has been doing this entire time. Because I I, I think there's an argument to be said like. Even I and and you were going all in on Tottenham at Everton in the one-one draw with how diabolical they were playing with the one-nil lead, and you were spot on. But like, 
that's exactly what we've been watching Tottenham do all season. So is it the players? Is it the manager? Is it more of the same? Why, why wouldn't you give someone that's a fresh voice that is on the outside of that immediate staff looking in to then walk into the group and say, all right, enough. That was f-ing horrific. Sorry, Tim. I can't stop right now. We've got we've, we've to get back to basics. We've got to go back to the simplicity of how you... Okay, guys, what's the best formation for this group? Where's the leadership council? How do you guys want to play? Because right there, when you empower the players, Rennie, all of a sudden, you talk about that, that bump, you get the bump because now the players feel like they're being listened to as opposed to they're being talked to, if that makes sense. I know it's empowering players and maybe it goes too far. It's treating but- the players like the adults they are not in that analysis. And I, I don't think that you can go to these 23-year-olds that are either down tools to the previous manager or they find themselves out of form. And again, you've been in, in, in these collectives. I have been. Oh. Half are out of form, half are in form, half like this manager, half didn't, half got trouble with the wife, half got trouble with the kids, you know, you, you, all these little groups and factions. Yeah, for sure. They've all got their own problems. So you've got to try and find a way through that together. And then you're going to them without a leader. There's a reason these clubs and football teams and sports bodies and everything in my work has a manager because the manager has a purpose and you don't mm. just then toss it over to the group and say, sort yourselves out. Because what will happen is the kind of rabble we saw in that Tottenham game. That was a rabble. And it wasn't just what we saw with Antonio Conte this season. It was significantly worse. It was directionless nonsense. And essentially, Christian Stellini, who is a nobody, he's a complete nobody. No one's listening to Christian Stellini. And no one's going to listen to Bruno at Chelsea. They might get through one or two games. There's two goalkeeping coaches being put in charge of Leicester City, for Christ's sake. Like, no one knows who they are. Mm. One of them has been in charge like five or six times temporarily since 2015. And now they're asking them, they're asking the Chelsea manager to beat Real Madrid, whoever that is. They're asking Bruno, who was the the in-the-stands analyst at Brighton at the start of this season, who's never picked a team in his life going into the Liverpool game on, on Tuesday to beat Real Madrid. They're asking Christian Stellini, who's been Antonio Conte's yes man at three clubs, to get Tottenham in the Champions League when, judging by the Everton game, it was a miracle they could have gone third anyway if they'd have beat Everton. They're asking these two goalkeeping coaches. One of them, I think, is called Adam Sandler. That's not exactly right, but all I can think of now is they put fucking Happy Gilmore in charge and Billy Madison alongside him, sorry, Tim, to try and get Leicester safe. It just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Mm. You don't sack unless there's a plan. You yeah, don't sack I'd agree with unless that. you know what comes next. And none of this lot, none of these chief executives have thought what comes next. It's mm. just pure, endless panic button with house money. And, and that's how you get to where you are now. Well, and that's they, what Chelsea is the biggest example of. Todd Bowley is not even considering balancing the books. And what's going to happen next with Chelsea if they don't qualify for the Champions League, which, oh, yeah. spoily, they are not going to. It's sale, 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 sale. Yeah. They've got to balance those books. Otherwise, they're going to be in massive trouble. And next season, folks, Julian Nagelsmann, if you want to go there, good luck to your son because they're not going to be in any European competition. They've got to get back in the top four. They've got the old top five they used to compete against. Plus, they're going to have Aston Villa, who are going to be phenomenal next season. They've hired a world-class manager, in my view. We'll talk about that another time, I'm sure. You've got Newcastle United and the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia. The, 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 the top four has never been less guaranteed. And they've mm. got to do that whilst selling, whilst dealing with a restless fan base. Uh, Chelsea are yeah. the biggest example of what you're talking about. Well, 
everyone's f***ing it massively now because they're incompetent. Well, and, and to your point about having a plan, again, this is I, I don't I don't care if you have the nicest gentleman in the world as your manager, and you have a phenomenal relationship with them. You have to, through intermediaries, have a list and contacts. And the only way, the only way for me that this looks good for Todd Bowling and company is if they can secure Julian Nagelsmann's signature and immediate, immediate placement on the bench as soon as possible. But he just got sacked to Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich are not clear at the top of the Bundesliga. Yeah. And they have maybe the easiest title to win in European football. And he mm. was just sacked for being difficult to work with, skiing when he should have been at work, Allegedly. and unable to deal with the squad. I mean, that that's their reason for sacking. Allegedly. We don't know how true yeah. that is, but that's yeah. what they've come out and basically said. Yeah. Um, and so he comes in alleged. what? And he can, he can deal with 30? Yeah, alleged. F- yeah, I don't yeah. know. I'm not going to work there. <laughs> yeah, it is alleged. Am I not saying alleged? It's f- <laughs> alleged. What's wrong for me? Jesus. Sorry, Tim. Sorry, Tim. So it's, it's alleged, right? Yeah. So, what exactly is he going to do? Like, he, he, maybe he's got a bit more pedigree than Graham Potter. Fine, yeah. but he's still a young coach who's got to deal with thirty-plus players, an yeah. unhappy dressing room, yeah. all this nonsense. Yeah, like, how is that going to improve things? Like, okay, so we got. Well, I want to move on. That's a serious, yeah. I, I want to ask you this other question, right? Because I want to get to Tottenham and things. But the only thing I want to ask you before we move on from Chelsea is that all season long, we've had a lot of really good Chelsea experts who know the club inside and out, certainly better than you and I do, and many of our listeners. And they've said they're backing Potter, backing Potter, backing Potter. The whole right? time. The whole time. Now, it only made sense to me, and it's going to lead into our next conversation about Brendan Rodgers. It only made sense to me, any of it, if they were going to let him be manager for this long through these myriad failures and poor performances, if these guys were right, that they were going to stick with him this season Ride it off, give him the Real Madrid games, then next yeah. season, give him the summer, the preseason you were talking about earlier on, and then see what happened at that point. Jettison a few players that he did want, doesn't want. Yeah. Why have they gone this long and then suddenly decided now? The season has been over yeah. in terms of the Premier League for three weeks. They're in the Champions League quarters against Real Madrid. They yeah. won. They're in it. Yeah. So why was the Villa game? The reason the the only the only way it makes sense to me is if they've lined up Nagelsmann or Luis Enrique or Pochettino or whoever they think is has the gravitas to walk inside of that locker room and immediately command respect because there's there's no reason and and, and I would say this for Brendan Rodgers as well I, I, I Conte is a different a different beast because of the way he napalmed the joint before heading back on Ryanair to Italy for a couple of days during the international break. <laughs> you, to your point, and I know you said this on Grumpy Pundits a couple of times, you're, you're looking at, what, 30 points available? Yeah. 27 to 30 points available. At this stage of the season, if you were going to make your move, you should have made your move in March. Yeah. Why would you wait until April to make your move? At the start of March, give yourself a runway. Give yourself a couple of games to get your feet underneath you. And that was late. That would have been late as well. That was the latest possible moment was at least three weeks ago. Um, Brendan Rodgers has gone as well. There was an amazing thing happened to me at the weekend. Mm. I was at the West Ham game, uh, as I mentioned, the Southampton game, right? And you know how long it took for Nayef Aguirre's goal to be given? Oh, it was forever. Right. But the reason I bring it up here is that when the free kick was taken, Brendan Rodgers was Leicester manager. When the goal was given... Brendan Rodgers had been sacked. There was this yeah. amazing three minutes where the kind of 
in between the goal being scored and the goal being given. We got the news about it being sacked. Everybody's uh, phone lit up. Yeah. Everyone, like the whole press desk, everyone's gone off. I'm sitting behind Jonathan Pierce, who's doing the game for the BBC and all these guys and everyone's, <laughs> the whole stadium's lighting up with it because, you know, the, the VAR check's going on. I'm going to stop swearing now, but you're doing nothing. No one's doing anything. You can't, yeah. they don't let, they don't let the people in the crowd know what's happening. It's a really terrific idea. Um, but Brendan Rogers. And I want you, first of all, I want you to say to me, I've got every confidence that I would have kept the club in the Premier League. <laughs> got a turd in my pants. <laughs> myself. Sorry, Tim. Did it again. Got every confidence in the world in myself. I'm a British manager. Not bad. Beat Marcelo Bielsa twice, I think. But I've totally bottled it this season. What? Poor Tell James Madison. Poor James Madison. Oh, you've got he's gone, he's gone over oh, here. He's got he's, a bit DiCaprio in um got, gangs of New York. I've got I've got three three envelopes. Which one are you in, Tom Rennie? Uh I'm in the one that wants to hear this impression more, so I hope he comes back. <laughs> Me too. Very, very soon. Um uh, but it's another similar question to you. So it's it's similar ground. It's a very different situation in terms of the yeah. relegation battle. Um, they were one new up against Crystal Palace at the weekend, somehow yeah. contrived to lose 2 1 to this this yeah. awful palace team. Let them have Good 20 goal. shots in the first half, which is great a great free kick story. Yeah. I mean, it came off the goalkeeper's backside. I don't know how great it was. Um, it's one point in five. It's no wins in seven. Um, and Brendan Rodgers has gone. Now, this has been an ongoing narrative this season. I think they did yeah. win in the opening seven games this season. They stuck with him. We've had discussions and speculations about is it because of the, the potential payout to him or not? Whether the fact they're in the bottom three means the payout is less has been something I read today. Again, that's pure speculation. I've got no information on that. Alleged, of course. Um, But what do you make to the fact he's gone here? And not only that, uh, we were chatting to a Leicester expert earlier today who basically said there isn't going to be a new manager. There was a speculative email to Graham Potter's people Mm. who said, I'm going to take some time. I can't manage three of the clubs this year. That would be insanity. Plus, I've just got paid. 30 million pounds. I'm going to Disneyland, <laughs> uh, said Graham Potter with that. Yeah. Sam. Um, but he's, I mean, I can't believe it. They're sacking him with well, 10 games to go. They're playing almost everyone around them home and away. Yeah. Really winnable games. And they're going to give it to a couple of coaches for 10 games. So let me start here. I think Brandon Rogers is a really good manager. I, I really what? do. For, for, for as much as I tease him, I think he's a good manager. What? The, the, the problem is, is when he's, when when his when he wins a big game for me and the arrogance starts to show, I think that's where I like to have fun about the words that are coming out of his mouth. Um, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when he turned down the the Arsenal link. He was like, "Why would I? I've got Leicester City. Why? Would, come on, like, what are we like? What are we doing here?" I I do. There's a part of me that does feel bad for him because. When he took over Leicester City, what they were then versus what they are now is significantly different. And the question will always come back to if Brendan Rodgers is given a war chest and given a quote unquote top six team, um, could he be a great manager for said club? I I think he could be a really solid manager. I I really do. But there's, there's a part of me that feels bad for him again because the decline in the investment in the team, hmm. watching players being sold, not watching them figuring out ways to find those same players, those diamonds, polish them up, sell them, make some big money, or have the ability to compete. They're just not competing. 
and that that's and that's fine. They're they're not sh- they're shopping at Super Target, right? So when there's and Super Target's a great great store. Almost cursed. Yeah, saved you, Tim. Um, but the reality is, they're they're it was a slow decline, and the team started to decline. The quality of the the, the squad started to decline, and he had a responsibility in there as well. Whether he wanted his twelve million on gardening leave, or whether he is going to get three million at this stage, at the end of the day, I just don't understand why. Why, why go in a different direction? It mm-hmm. always seemed like there was enough respect between he and the club. And he always towed the line of like, am I trying to get fired or am I telling you what the reality is right now? Yeah. Or am I resetting expectations, not only for ourselves in the locker room and for myself as a manager, but for the fan base and the general media? Because he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a pretty big manager when it comes to Premier League. He's a name that will be going forward linked to whatever vacancies are available. Yeah. Uh, at least for the next couple of seasons. And I, I, I would, I could totally see him back in the Premier League at the start of next season, depending on what direction certain clubs go in. But you're correct. I don't understand right now with how many games left. Doesn't seem like he lost the man, the, the locker room, unless, unless guys like Jamie Vardy, guys like James Madison are going to the ownership, going to the board and saying, you got to get him out. But it didn't seem like it because Madison put up what I thought was a was a really cool post on social media, which seemed to indicate that as a manager and as a man, he had the respect of uh, James Madison. You know, what's quite interesting to me in in terms of management, and I want to task you in a minute to see how many you can remember of who's been sacked and moved on this season. But there's never been so many. There has never been so many sackings in a Premier League season. It is yeah. a record. 13 managerial changes, 12 sackings and one departure. That departure was Graham Potter, who has since been sacked at another club. It's insanity. Are we at the, the breaking point here of the idiocy of this season that maybe there might be... I don't know if it's punishment is the right word, but we need to make a fundamental change here because sacking the manager, it's the only thing you can do now because there's no transfer window. But sacking the manager for another manager, who has it really improved this season? Mm. Has it improved Southampton? No. Has it improved Leeds? No. Has it improved Bournemouth? Maybe, but but not really. Has it improved Everton? I think it's an argument to say yes. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers, they're about where I'd expect. Crystal Palace, the same. Chelsea, you know, I, I think they've got significantly worse, actually, since replacing Tickles with, with Potter. <laughs> you know, that, that's 10th that's, that's and down. Is there maybe some learning here and should there maybe a bit of a sea change in that sacking the manager can't just be the thing that you do? Are we learning this year the fact that as we speak, there are three clubs without a permanent manager, that the old cupboard of Pardew, Pulis, Hodgson, whatever, it's bare. It's bare because everyone's been used so many times and those guys have retired. There's no Red Adair characters left anymore. That maybe there might be more David Moyes and, and Steve Cooper stories. There might be more Arteta stories who could have got sacked a year or so ago. There might be more um, Eric Ten Hag stories. So, you know, we, we did the joke about it. He's going to go after the Brentford game. You yeah. know, by the way, he's got less points than only going to Solskjaer's first season at this point, but <laughs> we, we can't do that today. Yeah. I mean, my, my weird speculation here is I love your view on this. Should there be some sort of punishment for sacking your manager? Because at the moment, mm. it happens so willy nilly. Yeah. That I feel like it's it, there's got to be some sort of issue. And I would wonder whether if you're going to sack your manager, you can't just be like, yeah, sack him, see what happens. Mm. There should be more of a, okay, you can sack your manager. You get your one get out of jail free card this season. You don't do it twice. That should be against the bloody rules, by the way. But you lose three points. You sack the manager, fine. Mm. 
but you lose three points. That's the yeah. trade. You've got to trade to replace your manager. Otherwise, you know, it used to be, not always, it's not like rose-tinted glasses, but it used to be that, you know, sometimes you had a bad season yeah. and sometimes you had a good season. Yeah. Brendan Rodgers is not a bad manager. Graham Potter is not a bad manager because of the last 24, 48, whatever it is, hours. So should aren't they a bit obliged to let hmm. Graham Potter see this season through and see what he can do? I, I just think if you are going to have to pay the manager out, that should have some type of hit on your, your operating budget or maybe your television revenue. Um, maybe that goes into the kitty to be redistributed or goes to some type of charity. I think there's, there's, there's like a, theoretically, I think there's, there's a good idea somewhere in there. <clears throat> I, it, it's the same old conversation, right? You're either paying for the mistakes of the manager. You're paying for the mistakes of the sporting director for the player that you players that you identified that maybe aren't up to snuff because at the end of the day, all of these conversations, player responsibility is very rarely talked about outside of downing tools. And there's no, there's no discernible identifiable, you know, where you're just like, Oh yeah, no, he's doing that on purpose. He's not like turning around and booting the ball in his own goal. Um, But the easiest way to get around this is go find a better manager, go find a better tactician, go find a better leader, go find a bigger, stronger voice that the immediacy of that group will start to listen to. But again, at this stage of the season, I, 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 unless you have someone 100% lined up that is going to be a better manager than the one you just fired, what's the point? What I, is the I get, point? I get, I get it's a ton of money. I, I get that we're talking about Premier League money versus the parachute money into the championship, and there's no immediacy. 100%, you're coming right back up. But, I mean, what, what's, like, Chelsea's in what? 11th position? Like outside of your ego hurting, if you're Todd Bowley, hmm. what 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 is the point? See it see it through if you're Todd Bowley, right? Yeah. See it through. And if they win the Champions League or they beat Real Madrid, you can still in the summer say, look, it didn't work out, buddy. But you know what? I gave you, I gave you that rope. I gave you that yeah. leeway. I gave you that ability to prove to me what you could do. And there's been no this is why managers these days can't survive adversity. Yeah. Because no one goes through any adversity. Yeah. They either have a good time or they get the sack. Yeah. And it's such a fundamental cultural problem with this entire stupid industry because there's certain financial targets that must be met and all that sort of stuff. But if you give someone that job, sometimes it's going to go badly. Mm. Look sometimes, at Arteta. Look at Arteta. But look, I would even take away Arteta. You can look at... You can look at David Moyes this season, right? If he keeps West Ham up, right? If he keeps West Ham up, and God knows I have been on the fence about it, as you know, and I think he probably could have gone earlier in the season because it feels like that is over. But let's go back to his time at at Everton. There were times when they were 17th and they could have gone down. The next year, they were battling for fourth and fifth. The next year, they were were struggling again. You know, there are look at Brendan Rodgers. If he'd have seen this season out and kept them up, he could have handshakes all round and gone, I won him the FA Cup. It was two top five yeah. finishes. The yep. last season weren't so great, but that's the way it goes. Instead, no one knows how to get through these times because no one lives through these times anymore. It's yeah. super dumb. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, listen, I want to move on to a couple of other bits, but I've got to ask you this. Uh, let's bring Tim in here as well, because I know Tim's annoyed with us because uh, of all the swearing. But let's do today's Week in the Tackle quiz. How many managers mm. sacked this season can you name 
We'll go with Dunny, onto Tim, one yeah. at a time, and the first one to get one wrong is out, because I think you can do this. So there are yeah. 12 sackings. Yeah. Uh, Dunny, we'll start with you. Name me one. Conte. Uh, Antonio Conte was sacked on the 26th of March at Tottenham. Yes, Tim. Steven Gerrard. Steven Gerrard, Liverpool legend and Aston Villa. Mm, person was sacked on October the 20th. Yes, Dunny. Demi Tickles. Timmy Tickles, incredibly, was sacked all the way back in September. September the 7th at Chelsea. Tickles win. Tim. Our man, Jesse Marsh. Jesse Marsh, God bless him, and all who sail in his unemployability, was sacked on my birthday, February the 6th at Leeds United. Dunning. Graham Potter. Graham Potter was indeed sacked on Sunday, uh, just gone as Chelsea manager. You can also get double points for that as he resigned at... Uh, Brighton, so you get double points in this really important quiz. Tim. Frank Lampard. Yes, that was this season. Sorry, oh, I thought was that it? was it another was. season. Yeah, it was yes, this that season. Was, I was like, wait a minute. Mind. Yeah. Wait I thought we'd done it there. Um, Frankie Lampard was sacked as Everton manager on the 23rd of January. Correct. Done it. Patrick Vieira. Patrick Vieira was sacked at Crystal Palace on the 17th of March. Tim. This was this season, right? Scott Parker? Mm. Scott Parker was sacked on the 30th of August as Bournemouth manager. And inexplicably, yes, that was this season, which still has like 10 weeks to go. Dunny. Bruno Lage. Oh, that is a deep reach. And it's a correct reach. Bruno Lage was sacked on October the 2nd as manager of Wolverhampton Wanderers. We haven't we haven't talked about him quite yet, Brendan Rogers. <laughs> my Irish sense worse. Yeah. He was Irish. <laughs> that sounded like Billy Connolly joined us on the podcast. Brendan yes, Brendan Rogers. Rogers on Sunday as well as Leicester City manager. I think. I think we we're have, at eleven. We have we've got two left that you haven't mentioned. Ralph Hasenhutel. Oh, it's terrific. It's terrific. Ralph Hasenhutl was sacked on the 7th of November, leaving just one manager left that we haven't listed. I mean, that sparked the memory. Is it Nathan Jones? Oh, guys, guys, Nathan did we, Jones. Did we really get them all? The unbelievably unpopular Nathan Jones, who could have married a woman in Wales. Oh, that's right. Yeah. What an idiot. Um, but he, he was sacked on uh, the 12th of February. There you go. Victory all round. Victory in Europe. VE well Day. Done, we horsey. we f***ing nailed it, Dunny. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Hashtag sorry. Sorry, Dunny. Uh, and there's a great tweet from uh, Graham Rutherford. I wanted to bring this to you, which I loved. Roberto Di Zerbi is now the 11th longest serving manager in the Premier League. It's crazy. Appointed in September. Um, one other thing I wanted to bring up in, in this discussion before we're out of time, and that is the whole Christian Stellini thing. I, I know we've spoken a little bit about it, but I did the game, the the, the, the Everton game. Which you were on one. I, I threw in the group chat. You 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 were so aggressively frustrated. And I could just picture you visually matching that frustration because I was listening in, in the car on Sirius XM FC channel 157. And like I literally sent you messages like you are fing on one right now. Sorry, Tim. I was so furious. I was so furious <laughs> at it. Um not just because I need Everton to lose lose games for West Ham to stay up, though that I'm sure was part of it subconsciously. But 
watching it, watching Tottenham right now, like that, if you want to know what a manager does and why teams hire a manager, watch that game. Yeah. Because it was such an abysmal performance from Tottenham. And yes, they were winning the game because of the penalty given to, to Harry Kane and converted by him. But the way they played, when yeah. they were winning in that game and they had the ball in their own penalty area and Lloris gave it to... Longley, but didn't put it into Dyer, who tried to dribble out from his own penalty mm-hmm. area and lost it. And then 30 seconds later, they did it again. Hoybier was passing it into touch. No one knew what to do because there was no plan. And it's to your point right at the top of the program. You can give the players a certain amount of leeway, but in the end, there's got to be a director of operations. If the game plan is random scrimmage, yeah. then yeah, you can allow the players to do what they want. Otherwise, someone has got to have a plan. And going back to, it ties all this together, that performance last night uh, on Monday night. It was such a joke. It was such nonsense. It made no sense. Every single element of it was confused and confusing, even to Lucas Moura's sending off, which was just so brainless as it all was. And it was almost annoying they nearly won it. You cannot give Stellini that job for the next nine games because... If Tottenham Hotspur are going to attract a Nagelsmann, which they might not because he might be going to Chelsea, but let's say they want to, they ain't going to do it in the Europa League, not in the Conference mm. League. And right now, they're sitting in fourth, having played more than Man U. It's unlikely. They've got to win pretty much every single game. They're not going to do it with essentially the janitor <laughs> in charge for the next nine games. And yet they seem happy to do it. That was the moment I'd have gone, leave you right then. I'd gone, right, we've got to get someone. I'd have even called bloody Allardyce. Because at least somebody, Allardyce could come in and work with that team because they're already playing Allardycean football. So why not give it to someone? Thank you. Not my first time. Um, So why why would you let this guy, who's just not a manager, have the future of your club in the palm of his hand? Again, it it goes back to why why are we... Why would you allow the guy who was the number one for the manager who just walked out or you just fired to be the same. It's the same voice. It's the same vision. It's, it, they're, they're seeing the game in the exact same way. And, and, and listen, I, I get the, it's easy. You're still paying him. So why not? You know, you're at least paying him to do something. I know that when, you know, Conte was in Italy for the alleged surgery um, that, you know, all, all, they get dumped out. I mean, there's no track record of success with stealing as well. It's not like he's come in and all of a sudden this team's turned over a team 4-0. It's like, oh, relaxing, fun, exciting. Not, No, not at all. Panic mode. And by the way, quick, quick. Can, can we just, this whole, like, I get we do this thing where we're like, I need a true number six. I need a box to box eight. I need a true winger at number seven. Like we do this thing, right? Where we just like do this random descriptiveness. We're a, we're a build out of the back team. This bullshit. Sorry, Tim. Absolute bullshit. Sorry, Tim. Of being like, I'm a center back. I'm going to play a soft left footed pass into the right foot of my keeper, who's going to set himself up with the dominant left foot to then play a ball 15 feet to his right to the other center back, who will then play a ball to the right back, who will play the ball to the defensive midfielder, who will lay it back to the center back. And then I'll find the right midfielder, who will then lay it back to the defensive midfielder. He will then play it to the forward, who will drop it to the winger. And then the opposite winger will make a run and he will just dump the ball into space. And that is a breakaway. I mean, what the f- is happening sorry Tim I'm stopping I promise like what in the flying squirrel is happening like why 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 
Why? What? What are we doing? This whole goal kick thing. It doesn't make sense. Oh, oh. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense to me. Why are we doing this? Why are we watching teams that obviously are practicing their patterns of play every single week of how to build in the back? They're getting pressed to God's no end left and right, and we're seeing balls just lump the ball 20 yards 50 yards forward win the second ball if you got if you can't win a header win the second ball in the midfield push your team up get the ball away from your goal this whole in like th- this incessant drive to to try to teach defenders how to play out of the back with literally a press of six makes zero effing sense zero sense i don't no. get it it, it's 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 insane. Especially when you it have a league and you're on the road, you're just inviting. And by the way, not for nothing. A one new up at Everton with ten minutes to go. You're inviting. You're inviting the fan base to jump onto the back of the players to give them even more momentum. And then you start to second guess yourself. You start to panic. You start not running because you don't want the ball. You start hiding. Everything becomes that much worse. If you're winning and you don't have the player profile of defenders that can build out of the back, stop. Playing out of the back. Sorry, Tim. And don't Just, do it. One nil up at Goodison Park with a janitor as your manager. Jesus. When I don't know, put it in their half. Call me old-fashioned, but you're not going to concede a goal if the ball is in their half of the field. We if you're going to play out, we play modern play football. Out, though, but even if they do it, do two or three passes and then, you know, release it. The challenge isn't keep it in your area for as long as possible. Do That's you play modern get. football? We play modern football. We it. play out of the back from a goal kick. Modern football. It. Just, I mean, when teams do it well, do they do neck. it with a plan. That was incredible. That really was incredible. You're like a Bollywood superstar. How... That was amazing. That's amazing. I can't think of a single Bollywood superstar. <laughs> uh, Amir Khan, isn't he a famous actor? Yeah. Close. No. It feels right. It feels right. Only when you um, fix it. We're probably out of time. Um, yeah. But I will say um, our Friday predictions came true on mm-hmm. the on the brief Friday pod. And that was pretty good. Our predictions came true 100%, <laughs> including the fact that uh, Everton Tottenham was going to be diabolical, but also super entertaining. Michael Keane, by the way, we've got no oh. time. But Vincent sweet, Company-esque. Sweet Barbara O'Reilly. That was so that was so cool. That was absolutely incredible for someone who won the Golden Raspberry for worst player in the Premier League last season. Um, Danny, where, where, where were you? Where are you? What's going on in the world of MS? Yeah, I was down at FC Dallas. Uh, they Who did they play? Portland Timbers. Um, great goal at the end. Frank Bowley came off the bench on his debut, got the game-time goal in the dying moments of that match, had some travel delays. It was a disaster, worked my way through it. And then uh, this weekend, I got a good one with Bredos. We are up in Seattle, Seattle Sounders at home against St. Louis City SC. Uh, expansion team, they lost on a penalty at home to Minnesota United, Adrian Heath. Old Inchi and company got the three points, but this is uh, number one, number two teams in the Western Conference. going to be a phenomenal game this weekend. Um, so that'll be on Apple TV. Uh, be a fun one. And um, we'll look ahead to that on our, our Thursday and Friday. Are you in Thursday, Friday this week on Sirius XM? You're doing both? I am. Yeah, oh, good. Yeah, okay, show so for we'll, work. We will look ahead to all that on the SiriusXMFC show for subscribers in the United States of America. We'll also be talking on our next podcast on Friday. Uh, but the fact I'm going to West Ham, Newcastle on Wednesday, I might be deliriously happy. And I might be, as usual, 
bloody miserable. Um, so that's all coming up. Subscribe on uh, various platforms. If you're not already subscribed, you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe on the podcast. If you're on the podcast, watch us on YouTube. Subscribe there. Follow us on, on Twitter, which I think still exists if it's not been bought by Dogecoin. Mm. Uh, and also leave us a review. The funniest one ever was read out on Friday's program. We love the funny reviews. We're going to give them uh, a real solid reading on shows. Uh, and also ask us some questions too on our various platforms and we'll answer them on the Friday podcast. Cheers, everyone. See you next time.